Welcome to another edition of the HLS Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me MD Tex. And as always, you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to get your podcast feeds at. Make sure you come join us in Discord. That is our live chat channel, herloyalsons.com slash Discord. When we end up live on Twitch, you can find us at twitch.tv slash herloyalsons. And of course, you can always find us over at our home at herloyalsons.com. With that said, it's time to bring in Shane. Shane, how you doing, my friend? Just getting ready for a walk-on wide receiver tryouts. You know, just doing my thing. <laughs> uh, but but I'm pretty good. My, my my foot's a little sore, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. Yeah, pr- practicing practicing the the forty time. Well, don't, well, don't have the uh, the Austin uh, the injuries going on oh, there. God. Gonna need to get a couple of rods in the ankle or something. Yeah, my my toe reattached. That's happened once before. Oh God, I, I don't need to the know socket, that the socket, the socket, the socket. Need to save that for when we have a a, a bye week. <laughs> okay, when we're all drunk. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yes, as Shane said, we are going to talk a bit about what seems to be the favorite topic uh, of angst mm-hmm. in Notre Dame circles. We will talk a bit about wide receivers. I also have a little bit of an idea for the offense that I haven't told Shane about yet. I said, "Hey, yeah. I got something." For segment two, so mm-hmm. I'll unveil it and we'll get the live reactions, you know, <laughs> as raw as they can get. Before oh we do all that, though, do want to talk a little podcast business, not an ad or anything. Well, maybe kind of sort of an ad, but more to kind of tell you what's going on, because uh, we got some changes coming. Of course, we are trying to get back into the swing of things, getting the episodes in, getting our podcast legs back from under us. But once we go in season... One of the things that you've probably known HLS for, or at least our show, is to not just cover Notre Dame, but to also cover the world of college football at large, which has always been kind of a mixed bag. Uh, we've read some reviews on the show that actually kind of hate it, <laughs> but we do know we do know people like it in general. Uh, but to be quite frank, it's it's hard to prep for. It's hard to do. However. We understand that it is something that people like. However, in the interest of of trying to focus our efforts and what we do on the show, we're going to stay Notre Dame focused as much as humanly possible. So it's not that we'll never mention stuff again. Uh, In fact, we will have bonus segments of us actually talking about you know what we've seen at college football at large uh and those will be found on our patreon or, or rather my patreon so uh, that is found at patreon.com slash the reason why it's under my name and not hls proper is it's because i do all kinds of other stuff on there mostly just writing and stuff like that um i've written about video games parenting uh but it's also the place where you can find the friday roundup if you've happened to be missing that uh it starts for the extremely high price of one dollar a month i mean we're not asking for a whole lot here and you get a couple posts a month you also get an ad free version of this podcast as well and uh, there's also some hls incentives tied into it but you will get 
the bonus content and the bonus episode. So we're really not trying to take much away where we're trying to add to the, to the adventure here. And also to make things a little bit easier to prep for, because I think I do a little bit too much work trying to, trying to pull off what uh, folks maybe at the solid verbal are able to do. So it'll let me focus more on the Notre Dame content, which I know is what everybody ends up talking more about anyway, when it comes to our show. So that is, that is going to be the main focus. Uh, Again, Patreon dot com slash nd text you can do a dollar you can do more whatever you want uh ad free version of the podcast couple posts and stuff and uh shame personally i'm looking forward to it because it's gonna let us get right into the good stuff yeah essentially that's i feel like what we uh what we tend to try to get to anyway uh like i know we we, we understand the interest and the desire to, dis- to discuss all different aspects of the sport which is what we why we do it because we also enjoy discussing that element of the sport but I mean, the fact of the matter is we want to get to the Notre Dame stuff as quickly as possible because that's, that's just the world we all, that's the bubble we've all sequestered ourselves to. So, I mean, that's, that's what we're here for, right? Yeah, it's what we're here for. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's other people that do the, the, the full recap show and that's their stick. That's the entire thing. Uh, it's kind of been our stick, but, um, hey, numbers don't lie. Uh, when we have major Notre Dame stuff going on, that's where the focus is. And I want to make, if I'm going to spend the time to make something, I want to make it as good as possible. And honestly, I'm extremely excited about what this season's going to bring. We are going to have, you know, new college football playoff uh, at some point. We misspoke uh, in the work haze that I had. Uh, they will vote on it in September, but 2023, I think, is the earliest they will try to yeah. implement it. Yeah, as, that's as we, because. Learn each of the major bowls will have gotten the same number of shots at a playoff, uh, right, playoff game. Got, got, to, got to fulfill some contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so wanted to at least let you know on that. I actually don't know what I'm going to do with the picks pod yet, whether that's going to be behind that, uh, excuse me, very expensive $1 paywall or not. Uh, I'm going to have some talks with Eddie, try to figure that out, because you really can't do a... A, a podcast standalone where you just do one Notre Dame pick and then have everything else kind of hidden behind it. So right. it, everything's still kind of up the air. I want to try it out see how things go. So, uh, yeah, I just want to kind of give people a heads up. You got the summer to kind of mentally prepare yourself. And uh, mm-hmm. when you're hearing ads and stuff, because uh, I will start running them later, uh, you, you will know what to do. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we got that little explanation over, I didn't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about wide receivers, Shane. <laughs> uh, do we have to? Okay. Yeah, we, we, we at least need to rip this band off, band-aid off and get it over with. We were going to talk th- about this a little bit last week before playoff yeah. expansion, you know, craziness came down the pipe. And, you know, we absolutely had to talk about that. It's cool. uh, yeah. It was the biggest news uh, by far of not just college football uh, implications, but also Notre Dame implications. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's, I, I tell you what, I've actually been enjoying like listening to everybody's reactions of it uh it's it it was fun but we had big news that happened in that same week and we already know about jordan johnson transferring out you know the the former five star you know you know freak out which we've we've discussed Mm -hmm. a little bit uh but jay brunel also entered the transfer portal now not that it was a huge shock his name wasn't getting mentioned that much he didn't have, you know, an outstanding spring game. He's not really one of the names like, well, you know, Jay Brunel steps up and this wide receiver core, man, we really got something here. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, what it does have is a very, very scary effect when you kind of like zoom back out and look at what's gone on. 
because now the only receiver left from not just the 2020 class, but also the class prior, the 2019 cycle, is Xavier Watts. Yep. And I remember yeah. us having, you know, some similar consternation with defensive backs in the same same vein. Now, there right. are a couple people around, uh, Cam Hart and Kendall Abdur-Rahman. Uh, well, he's not around, he's not yeah, around anymore. Yeah, Kendall's, Kendall's gone, but Cam Hart is. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's at defensive back now, so he's had a position change. Highly doubt he's going to flip back to the other side of the ball right now because he's actually getting some pretty consistent reps uh, at DB, and he actually seems pretty good at it. Yeah, again, only one of eight. So, hey. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there, there's uh, uh, that's why there's been so much talk about the seniors you know, needing to step up, hoping that Kevin Austin's foot will, will not give him any problems again and he can stay healthy. Brayden Lindsay getting his hamstring. Uh, in gear and Lawrence Keys making an impact, but we really have to sit here and, and think about you know what what does this mean at large for the wide receiver group? Are, is there reason to be concerned? Should we start taking a closer look at Dell Alexander's seat? Is it already scorching hot right now? Is Notre Dame just not doing a good job at developing wide receivers? Let's start peeling back that onion. Where do you want to start on this, Shane? I mean, I think it's important to at least start with what we have. Like, what, what's on the team right now? I think, I think it's important to, I guess, take inventory before you start to break down and assess, um, or maybe not assess, but to diagnose the issue when you start to probe it. Um, you need to have all the information in front of you. So at least it makes, it takes, I think it's worth a while to take a moment to just understand why this subject is so on red alert. Like, not just, Oh, a few people have left. It may look like that if you don't know what the context is. That just a couple players left. Like, who gives a fuck? It's not, not a big deal. It's it's about what remains in its place and the void that that small sample size uh, is causing around it. If you know, just in an absence of substance. Yeah, and then and then once you get past the the senior class, I mean, you can you're, you're going to be okay for now. But now, you know, you're eventually going to get in the position of okay. Say say you have the good scenario, everybody steps up and as the upperclassmen, you're good for a couple years. Then all of a sudden, you're looking to where everybody's been terrified about Notre Dame. Hey, now all the young guys, you don't have a choice. They got to get snaps. Otherwise, you don't yeah, have wide have- receivers. They have to get snaps because it's essentially, yes, it, it, it's it's as bad as it sounds. It, after this year, there will be, like, a, aside from people who play for the first time this season, there will be no returning experience, <laughs> essentially. Right. Um, everybody that, that you did, all the names that you were familiar with, Braden Lindsay, Avery Davis, Kevin Austin, Lawrence Keyes, uh, you know, even Matt Salerno, who gets a lot of practice hype, you know, he gets the, the walk on Wapu Nation kind of bump. Those are all seniors. They're all they're all essentially more, more than likely, assume, un, unless there's some um, rare circumstance uh, where somebody decides to return outside of expectations. It's going to just be first time. Like, there's only going to be freshman experience uh, on the team that remains after this season. So at that point, it doesn't really matter if Tyler Buckner is these the heavily cemented uh, you know starting quarterback for whoever like. The, their top production is also going to include Michael Mayer in all likelihood, like being the the charge the, the, the targeted leader. Like you can't rely on a single 
a single option like a Michael Mayer to to engineer an entire passing offense in the absence of actual wide receivers. Yeah, and uh, you also now you you can't miss in your cycles as well. Uh, he, you, and that's been one of the things that uh, I've said. It's like, hey, it's not. Look, you can if you really want to put the blame on Brian Kelly and Tommy Rees for not playing freshman wide receivers, fine. But let's let's be real here. They couldn't crack the lineup. Now, that doesn't absolve the coaching staff of blame because that means they misevaluated. For whatever reason, right. they didn't read the guys right. And perhaps you can also blame them for being slow and that everybody only makes the impact when they're seniors. You know, there's there's all kinds of things we can look at, but there have been examples. Like you said, Michael Mayer, obviously good enough to start as a freshman. Uh, hell, Kevin Stefferson, you know, immediately found his way on the field despite all the problems he was having off of it. You know, it's like, hey, he's that good. We ch- just go get on the field. And Kevin mm-hmm. Austin, if he was healthy, we, we might have a little bit of a different uh, window and view of how young receivers can can handle the offense because they've wanted him in. He just hasn't been healthy the past couple of years. And yeah. not everybody, you know, to your point, Shane, is going to take that extra COVID year of eligibility because they're going to be done. They're going to say, hey, you know, I, I I know this is it for me. They they may take a grad transfer somewhere else. Just to- They may be content with like a third or fourth round draft grade. I mean, yeah. they, you and- know what I'm saying? Like. The, the, and and also it's like okay well why come back now you know I'm gonna have to deal with another quarterback again um, you know it, there's there's all these unknowns and there's still the roster game that you have to play I mean that that's mm-hmm. really the long lasting effect that we're gonna see some down the line as a whole is how everybody's playing these roster numbers uh, yeah. but you, you know. It's going to be one of those situations where, sure, you got that fifth year of eligibility there, but there's going to be that conversation of, we understand you have it, uh, but we don't want you to exercise it. There's not a place yeah. for you here. And that could happen, like, if Lawrence, let's, let's say, worst case scenario with Lawrence Keys, he just doesn't produce. You know, it's it's been another frustrating season. He has a few catches. He's been a, you know, middle-of-the-road contributor. He might have that tough conversation with Brian Kelly. It's like, hey, you know, we've worked it. We've tried it. I think your future's outside of this school. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, just to have a heads up, we're, we're looking elsewhere for your slot. So you probably yeah. don't want to come back, my friend. Uh, th- those are situations that are just going to end up happening. Yeah, and and I'm, the fact of the matter is, is like they have to at that at a certain point. Like it, it, there there are going to be circumstances where you can't sit there and say, "I need a body just to be a body." You 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 have to develop what you have on your roster at all you know, all all the levels the the entire bench to at least to some extent that they can put a serviceable product on the field. But, you know, all of this kind of, I feel like is dancing around, uh, you know, on one kind of glaring, um, suspect in terms of what you could diagnose this kind of issue being. And, and that feels like Dell Alexander and the fit at that in that role, perhaps has come into question. Would you fair, would you believe that that's, that's fair? I, I would because we were having a similar conversation about running backs and look yep. what happened when we got a coaching change there. Now all of a sudden you're like, uh, is anybody questioning the strength about the running backs or the recruiting of running backs? Now it's like, hey, not only do we have a hell of a one-two punch, yeah, we got more hosses back there that are cu- that are still coming into Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, hey, that problem's fixed. We know how it happened. And then everybody kind of starts looking down the table at Dell. It's like, so, buddy, 
So, uh, Chief, you, you're, you're going to have to start. You know, you got to pick up the pace at some point. Now, it's not like um, Notre Dame is is not recruiting any wide receivers, but again, you know, like I, I see, you know, there's a. I'm actually on uhnd.com uh, to make sure I had all the the list and everything, and in there that there's a four star uh, wide receiver that is leaning Notre Dame now. That's great. That sounds good. But are we going to hit? Like, is did we did we get this one right this time? Say, um, and, and this is Tobias Merriweather. Say he he says yes, I'm in. Did we hit there? Did we hit on any mm-hmm. other target? That's going to be the real question because again, like we said, no room for error now, and not only right. that, no room for error. Hope you're ready. You're probably going to get some snaps early, and they need to be meaningful. You can't screw this up. Yeah, exactly. No, and it's 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 one of those situations where I I can understand that everyone feels perhaps okay with what you have in 2021, like in terms of oh well, at least the names I know are still an option. But you you're, you're saying that now, but you know the fact of the matter is there's also still a, a new quarterback who's likely going to start this season um and behind him another new quarterback and behind him guess another what new one. another new, new quarterback <laughs> so it's like the offense isn't just oh we have the, these names in the in the roster it, that are at, at the wide receiver position i can say these names are available and therefore the offense should be productive like there are you know it's, it's a pitch and catch system right somebody throws it someone catches it so the fact of the matter is, is like they're it's not it's not only the wide receivers that's going to determine whether or not the offense can do shit other than, you know, run the tight ends. But, you know, there's the new quarterbacks. There's, I mean, there, there, there's too many factors at play for this to be such a glaring problem on top of all of those uncertainties. The fact that the fact that you're seeing not, not just the people leave, but the ones that remain are injury laden. All the, all these, all these gaps, just they, they start to raise up as more than red flags. They start to kind of, be on an alarm status like we're we're hitting defcons now and you know when the only consistent i guess our question has been development i mean i i know we all loved what chase claypool became but that dude started off okay good still not great and then suddenly became amazing his final season it wasn't just it chase claypool wasn't the legend he was his final season his entire time here he wasn't really like a michael floyd level uh, talent coming in, he was oh shit, this guy's tall and Canadian. We'll see what happens. That was, you know, that was. Do you understand? Like that, that was kind of the expectation. It wasn't a ton of hype. So, you know, he was perhaps one of the one of the uh, exceptions that proves the rule. But since that, then since that really phenomenon, have you seen anything that that makes you feel has made you get feel like the wide receiver position has been a strength in not just this season in be, it being a glaring weakness, but in the past three to four seasons? Would, yeah. would you say that you? I mean, I don't. I don't think I could say that. Yeah, and I, I went back and I I did the exact exercise you're talking about, Shane, because I'm thinking, okay, last time we had a receiver where I was like, holy shit, he changes game plans, and I think we can all agree that was Will Fuller. That's pre. That's pre Dell. I mean, yep. Dell Alexander came on and it, it seems like an eternity now and then the post COVID era, but he came on in 2017. So this will be his fourth season. And like you said, like Claypool might be the only one, but again, there was, there was a lot of work that went into, to get Claypool there. I would say, uh, miles Boykin was another one of, of, you know, he's in the NFL now, but a, what if, why, mm-hmm. you know, could we not have gotten him to that point a little bit sooner? Of course, Boykin a little bit older than chase, 
But um, yeah, you you really have to take a look at that and and wonder because I don't think it's an offensive thing. Like and this isn't a Brian Kelly type thing. I, I think maybe we put too much at the feet of Chip Long as well mm. of explaining why some things didn't work out. There's there, there's just a whole lot of different layers here, but we have seen that Notre Dame when they have a dynamic threat like Will Fuller. And that that was a not a very highly touted recruit. That was a three star that hit huge. So they've developed them in the past. Brian Kelly knows what it's supposed to look like. He's seen it happen before, mm-hmm. yet we haven't been able to replicate. And again, some of that might be due to the fact we got injuries and such. But y- you would assume that even when you have like these gaping holes in your depth chart somebody steps up one of these five stars or four stars is able to fill that void and thus far it, it's really been a, a carousel of you know brian kelly and press conferences literally calling out his upperclassmen when they have flashes like yeah we've been waiting for it I, yeah that seems bad <laughs> that seems bad and i mean there i i'm gonna sound like i'm speculating but i don't mean to but essentially like these these injuries that have undercut all the names that we should be you know, fucking like rah rahing about their their return or the, about their presence at all. The fact that they've been hampered by these injuries, which have at this point become, I feel like, fairly chronic in each case. I mean, at least in the in the, the two most glaring cases of Braden Lindsay and Kevin Austin, it's clearly it's the same the field in- turf. Clearly, the field it's, turf. That's the problem. It's the same injury <laughs> on both guys multiple times. You kind of you kind of have to ask the question of like, are they being uh, asked to do too much too quickly and not being given the time they they need is there is is there uh is there like a sense of like, uh, like maybe ex- trying to accelerate or be ambitious about uh you know getting a product that you feel is gonna be game changing onto the field maybe faster than than they should be because it just I mean these two names Braden Lindsay and Kevin Austin I feel like have been on the team for seven years. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's just in my brain, I'm starting to get that feeling because of how legendary their names have become, yet how f- infrequently we've gotten to actually taste it. Um, and, and really, in Kevin Austin's case, none at all, essentially. So it's just like, what what is preventing um, either of these, these two guys from, uh, I don't know, I guess, like getting over the hurdle of these injuries nagging their careers so drastically so the, the, as much as they have in, in their career so far. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Austin, uh, I, 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 in listening to a few different podcasts, it seems that at least with him, it, it was kind of continuously hoping that he didn't need to have surgery. And then yeah, eventually yeah. it's like, okay, we're just going to, especially in, in the COVID year, it's like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to stop fucking around on this. I, I'm going to get the pins in my ankle and just actually heal from this like I should. Brayden Lindsay, um, hamstrings suck to recover from, especially when mm-hmm. your position is go as yeah, fast run, as your run, body run. will let you. And, mm-hmm. and not just moving as fast as, as possible, but putting a lot of strain on your lower body to make the quick and precise cuts. And, you know, the, the all put your foot in the ground and go. So... I think just some of it has to do with a little bit of bad injury luck. Some of it may also have to do with just kind of, uh, you know, I, and I don't think Brian Kelly is the only one doing this, but we, we've been with him so long and we hear about, you know, the, the whole traits thing. But part of what he does look for 
is if you're going to be on the field, you're doing all facets of the game in your position. And for Brian Kelly, if you're out at wide receiver, you're going to be blocking. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's a little bit of that and maybe bodies haven't quite caught up to that at the wide receiver level, but every other position seems to be able to handle it somewhat okay, at least from a health perspective. But okay. that could be something. I mean, if you if you think about the nature of a wide receiver position, you know, even more so than running back. I mean, that's one where you could seriously like avoid doing that in high school completely if you're out wide. Like your job, especially in high school, it's hey, you're super fast. You're faster than anybody else. We're just going to let you run downfield. And if you're not in the play, all you have to do is run the other direction. It's as good as a block because mm-hmm. you're not going to have somebody that's got four four speed coming across the other side to catch up to your running back. Yeah, um, so so I think that may have to do, do with something that if we're going to say maybe there's there's a little commonality there, it's that they are expected to do more than just be these speedsters that go flying down the field. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know if I can. And that could be the single pin there uh, because the strength and conditioning program overall has been better. I think this is just bad luck and it comes at a time to where it's exact it's exacerbated because there's nobody behind them and the people behind them keep leaving and you're just yeah. looking in there, uh, it, you know, to yeah. compare it to the running back position. It was, it, it wasn't them leaving. It was just that, man, these guys keep getting in trouble. Like consistently yeah. the off the field issues were in the running back room and yeah. that made you go look at, okay, well who's in charge of that room? Maybe we need to fix something. So no, um, I, I don't mean to make it seem like this would be the only reason. Right. Obviously, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to credit the injury uh, persistence as being like you know the the full breadth of the of the endemic issues at at the wide receiver position. It's not. It's not. That's not what I'm trying to get at. It's more so just that is that is that is there is the expectation on these players and on this unit you know playing into kind of just keeping. Uh, keeping these these injuries as relevant as they've been as as persistent as they've been just be, because they, be, they they may get exacerbated by trying to to put a player out there before you know they're ready or for so that it's just an idea obviously i i have no idea and as i said i i didn't mean to sound like i was speculating but i knew i was going to oh we're all speculating here we're just trying yeah. to it's like look something's wrong let's figure out what it is <laughs> yeah yeah uh, the the one thing I don't think it's it, it's not is is the whole you're not letting young players play. I, I, like uh, I said, no. I, I think we have enough previous evidence that that's not really a, a BK mantra type thing. And, and again, when Jordan Johnson is, you know, uh, we we go back to the blue gold game where he should have had a target, but he completely ran the wrong play and forgot mm-hmm. when he ended up on the field in the season. He got a personal foul, and then Kelly yanked him right back off. And it's just yeah. sometimes things don't mesh and mash for whatever reason. Um, and and that's more of, of what I'm getting here. But I, I, I feel like that there is something else wrong. Like, it, it, it's specific to that, how they're evaluating, how they're looking at people, because you you were getting something from the, the wide receiver group. And we, we would always have questions about who was going to step up. It was a constant theme for a while, but somebody would always do it. It would be Will Fuller. It would <laughs> Fuller. Will Fuller. <laughs> it would be Chase Claypool and, yeah. or Miles Boykin. Like somebody would – Will Fuller was the one well, – God, I did it twice. Will Fuller was the one knocking it out of the park. 
But, you know, you, you don't need the huge home run threat. And we've had flashes from, like, Avery Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joe Wilkins in the spring game was like, hey, maybe maybe this is his year. But really what we want and, and you know, after Alabama, seeing the horses that they had just running wild on the Notre Dame secondary, it was we want that. That's yeah. what we need. We got to get to that. Like you see where you need to be in college football yeah. today. And Notre Dame just isn't in the wide receiver game. They should be right now. Now, a healthy Lindsay and a healthy Austin, maybe we look more like that. But I, I think that's a concern right now is how long will it take Notre Dame to get to that point? Right. No, I mean, look, I, I know Avery Davis is, is, has, has shown and I'm hoping it's Joe Wilkins this year. It's just the fact of the matter is you, you can really only put your, put your banking on, on those two names right now. And that's kind of the part that feels uh, like, like we're being shorted. You know what I mean? Like it, that's, that, that, that's kind of the, the, the part where I struggle to then, you know, talk myself into like a, hopefully this is the year for Kevin Austin. And hopefully we'll finally see Braden Lindsay in more than four games. Like I, it's the fact that I can't get my brain to look past all I can see is Avery Davis, a converted quarterback running, you know, slant routes and hope and, and, you know, and getting that one, that one glorious play in the Clemson game where he, you know, he torched the second deck. that, that, that's really as far as I can imagine the unit succeeding. And that's the part that I feel shitty about. That's the part that I, that makes me feel like, like it's hard to hope for this group after all the shit that we've been, we've been shown. Something that you, you, you kind of alluded to is like just the, the things that Brian Kelly has shown us. Like one thing that I feel like the Brian Kelly era has proven is that what you see is exactly what you're getting. Like, Week one, ta-da! This is the full length of what we are. We Even if we're you not going to be like it. It is definitely you what it, you're getting. <laughs> we're really sorry. We're probably going to lose to Michigan later. Like you know that that's the you, you you can see it in the opening week, and it never goes away. There's never that moment where it's like ah, that was just a rough. They were rusty. Maybe they were breaking this. It's it's pretty it's pretty consistent now. Even 2016. I mean, it was yeah. hey, guess what? This defense is going to fall. Completely completely apart we're gonna find out soon texas sucks in the future as well yeah we don't know what we're doing at quarterback until it's way too late yeah so when i just when when this this topic permeates through like not just the the it the hot topic on twitter like it's in all the podcasts it's on everyone's mind it's like oh fuck the wide receivers i you know where there's smoke there's usually a lot of fire in the brian kelly era and it's i'm not trying to say this season is ablaze before it even gets started but the wide receiver position is is in a bad enough spot to where you have to wonder, like, can Matt Salerno save us? You know, something like that. Like, it's it's not it's not to undercut the potential. It's not to say that Joe Joe Wilkins can't potentially be. Uh, oh shit, he just caught. He just he just uh, has twelve you know twelve hundred receiving yards this year somehow. You know what I mean? Like, it, it could happen. But you know. Usually, there are signs of things to come, be it in the spring or not, but it just feels like all signs are pointing to like, we're, we're not, we're not the only ones that are worried. It's like, it feels like, the, the, you know, 
the staff is equally as concerned and as they should be. But I mean, on a, on like an almost existential level, like, can we do this? You know? Yeah. Who, who's the playmaker? I mean, it's, it's more of, we're just trying to get quality snaps and quality targets, but there's no, uh, even in this discussion, we're just talking about, well, maybe there'll be some dynamic playmakers. We'll see. Maybe if somebody sets yeah. up, maybe if they're healthy. And I think that's the bigger concern is that there's so much, doubt and so many maybes and then at the same time you have people departing the program and it's not like okay they probably were never going to crack the depth chart but again it's it's the larger problem it's like why why are we having to worry about this why am i looking Mm -hmm. at one wide receiver left from two recruiting classes that's that's terrifying Although I do feel good about Xavier Watts for what it's worth, we only got like a flash of him in the spring. But I do I somehow he's he's got the he's got the character. He's got that like really really dominant personality that 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 the SEC does have at the wide receiver position a lot. Just that I am going to beat you and I feel great about it and I'm going to celebrate like. That's going to be fine. I just, but yeah, you're right. Why is there only one? <laughs> yeah, that's that's always a problem. Well, I I think we've got a, a, enough in the the angsty mode. Mm-hmm. And and I, I got an idea. Maybe, okay. I don't know if this will solve a problem, but I have an idea. And, and we'll talk about that here next. But first, we got to uh-huh. talk about the good brand. Just one more time. I'm actually wearing it right now. I'm wearing uh, one of the shirts I ordered. I just got back into town, so I got mm-hmm. to pick up my home field order. I got the, uh, the green jersey homage, if you will. Yeah. What I love the most about this shirt is that it has like all the Notre Dame stuff trademarked. And because uh, SC is not yet in the good brand apparel, they did list them as Southern Cal. i love it yes and anybody that knows anything about that rivalry it's one name they can't stand because it's not official something holds it to them they are not southern cal officially but i will never stop doing it so i love the bit of petty and i think it might be one of the few petty shirts they have on the good brand homefieldapparel.com where you can use the code loyal sons for 15 percent off your first purchase this thing's incredibly comfortable like it gets hot in this room podcasting it's keeping me nice and cool it's wonderfully soft fits mm-hmm. great all the above stuff and and the design shane I, I i know you you love that national champions one i got that too uh sitting in the yeah. room yeah um, i got that one and the one that's uh the old the, the leprechaun with fighting irish underneath uh, the, yeah. the, the, the the old moniker fighting with no g <laughs> yeah it, it's great I, I love the old school and if there's any uh, i mean notre dame's got tons of it uh they released lsu in the big news saturday which we held on yeah, I was going to say, the LSU is constantly holding up that big fat L and meaning it. <laughs> and uh, I, I am worried about our standing in the number one because Texas is coming this Gosh, week. Aren't we all? <laughs> I, I love everything that they do. If you got a college football fan in your life, maybe even though they're not an Irish fan, you got all kinds of schools to go choose from. Very well designed, very thoughtful shirts. So, so comfortable. Fi- yes, so comfortable. It's so soft, so comfortable. Homefieldapparel.com again. The code is Loyal Sons. Give fifteen percent off, and, and go get yourself some. Use it for yourself if you want to. You don't just have to give gifts, but make sure to use that on your first time purchase and tell them HLS sent you. All right. Well, here we go, Shane. Mm-hmm. I need to hear this because a, I, I I can't even imagine where we're going to go with this. Let's well, go. I, I don't think it's anything groundbreaking, but it's definitely something that we haven't seen. Uh, in a Brian Kelly offense. I, I think we've seen wrinkles of it, but I, I just okay. want to dive all into it. 
Um, and, and to do this, I, I will ask you a question, Shane. Do you remember what Utah's offense looked like in the end Urban Meyer days? I, I, we're going in the Wayback Machine here. Whoa, holy crap. You're hopping in the, do I remember college football before I got to college? <laughs> I know. I mean, this, this is at the, the tail end of stuff. Oof. When I was in high school. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, I think that's it's not the 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 part of Urban Meyer's career, but I mean Alex Smith is hard to forget, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, but the what made that offense very unique, and he didn't really replicate it because he didn't have to at Florida at Ohio State. No, nope. you know he had to get somewhat gimmicky, and, and you know this could have been I I don't even know who the offensive coordinator was at the time. I'll be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> but it was the first time I really got to watch Urban My- an Urban Meyer team. And what struck me about Utah is they were basically running the triple option, but in a very modified way out of the spread. And what they were doing is they were using Alex Smith, his speed, his mobility, their running backs, and their receivers. The receiver was, you know, constantly a third option, not just for passing, but faking a jet sweep. And we've seen some of these concepts before, but really not like, to where here's one here's two and then there's a third option somewhere it's always been a read option maybe a rpo especially in the chip long era but it typically is boiled down to two options on a play if we did it mm-hmm. so so here's what i'm thinking shane i would love to to steal some of those concepts and have tommy Rees kind of cook some of that up in the lab because here's okay. what notre dame has right now and a largely unproven offensive line that needs time to gel there's there's going to be some gaps in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a wide receiver r- room that needs somebody to step up, potentially people that aren't healthy as well. But we do have not one, but two good running backs. We also have a tight end that can cause all kinds of matchup problems. And if we decide to go ahead and run out of set formations, that can absolutely knock a whole lot of people on their ass. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm wondering if we don't, Maybe, maybe kind of lean into it because I would like to see us, if we can't implement a, a more traditional-ish spread style to where we have the play action, we have the deep threat of receivers, we got to misdirection people to death. Okay. Not, not okay. necessarily like we're, we're going full Navy here or anything like that, but a more we're going to keep people honest. Lots of motion. I mean, Sarkeesian did some of these concepts with Alabama. He, he yeah. was putting people in motion constantly. There was always, where's this guy going? Where's that guy going? That's what I, w- I think Notre Dame needs to lean into, especially this season. Because okay. the quarterbacks that we have, y- you would hope best case scenario is that Jack Cohn is able to get the Irish started and then Tyler Buckner becomes the next Trevor Lawrence and is able to take over midseason. Or, or really, in ours, he's, he's ready like Ian Book was to go take over. And to get somebody like that, the kind of reps and the basically to not have all the heat on him is, I think, to be able to move players around, have a little bit of craziness in there and say, I don't know, Braden Lindsay's actually healthy. That's a legitimate mm-hmm. threat you got running across the face of the offense all the time that you got to worry about. Yeah. So what do you, what do yeah. you think about that concept? Like we have a triple option, but we actually use the receivers as... Yeah. Like an up back type option, you know. If you if you're gonna do it, this is the season to do it. You know, like if if you're gonna exactly. use any two any two wide receivers in particular that have already uh, shown in this capacity are Lawrence Keys and Braden Lindsey. 
the the few times that the sweat the sweep has worked, it's been using either of them, and not to fact not to even consider factoring in uh, Avery Davis, you know, at the slot who's also fast as shit, and and then on top of that, Joe Wilkins. I think it's it's a group that if if they're going to play to short bursts of speed, that's the you, you want. I I think you would do it horizontally and and effectively, I, especially with somebody. You know, like having like Kyron Williams in the backfield and Michael Mayer on the field at the same time, using motion can also take a lot of the pressure off Jack. I'm I'm just working this out in my head and as I'm as I'm envisioning it. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think this could work. Well, I, I, I somewhere on this too, you could also have Tyree on the field as well in a two back oh, set where fuck. you could have a more traditional and, and that's been a wrinkle that Notre Dame has tried to implement the, the two back offense. And we haven't really seen it fully catch on yet because of injuries and because chip long did whatever the fuck, but yeah, those are your weapons. If you're playing to the strengths, there's a lot of speed on this team and, and you give that line time to Joe because they're not yeah. seeing all these. It's you can't be overly aggressive because if you are, then okay, you you bust up the middle and the line, and all of a sudden the play's going out in the perimeter, and you're screwed. So, and you, you could you could even start to add in Joe, Jack Cohen, and, and you know add in some Aaron Rodgers, and, and do a lot of like just hard counting and just misdirection of the line. Um, you know, not not just sending players in motion, but taking some of the pressure off of the offensive line. By, you know, sticking to a game plan like, hey, you know, nobody snapped the ball. I'm, I'm just going to start counting until, you know, there's two seconds left. And if I tap, you snap it. So something to that effect, they could they could just give themselves. They can kind of give themselves more of a a ball control style offense uh, in terms of pacing. And I know Brian Kelly is probably that that feels like it, it goes against the majority of the fibers in his being when you have speed on the field like that. But. It's it's a great way to suddenly open up the back, the, the, the you know the, the the second end of the field if you know you, you you're spending a ton of time let's say on a twelve play drive like they so magically did uh, last season um, and, and and it's all shit at the line I mean I don't know I I feel like in in the era of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one when where essentially it's just you know an incredibly dynamic quarterback and insane wide receiver play that seemed to dominate the sport at this point it's, it's almost like it's reverting from that that you know back towards the Oregon success of the spread um but a different kind of speed not just you know the speed options and the, and the read options but RPO and really just game breaking wide receivers but it's starting to feel like because this field is is because the game is opening up so much that working in I mean, it's it's kind of like when the Dolphins brusted out the Wildcat in the NFL, you know. Like, just it has the feeling of if you bring in a gimmick offense, not a, not a gimmick offense, but a gimmick heavy yeah, game it, plan. It's, it's a wrinkle with it within the traditional offense, which is what that Utah team had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and it was I, a different, I, I see it working. Yeah, and it was a different version of ball control because that the offense wasn't necessarily it. It, it didn't really. Uh, produce a lot of, hey, we're going to have a big strike here and a big shot here every single time. It was basically, hey, there's a really big, bad Power 5 line in front of us in the pre-days when we ever called it Power 5. But, mm-hmm. hey, there's mismatches up front. We're not going to be able to handle it. Let's do something different. Now, Notre Dame can handle it. It's just going to take time to gel and be able to do things. And 
if we got to pull the the ripcord and Buckner's got to go out there, I mean the guy the guy does read option type stuff. You know, yeah, and, he's great at it. So from what we've seen, and honestly, when you do a, an offense like that, one of the beauties about it is it really does. Even though it sounds like it gets more complex, it actually simplifies it because say it's it's you know um, a fake handoff, maybe it's a pitch option, and then you're going to throw downfield. It's a one, two, three. And then mm-hmm. if none of that's there, I'm booking it. Like there's, it, it really narrows down to what you have to read, what you have to learn. And again, that does seem to go against BK's fiber because yeah. it's a lot. Hey, let's be cerebral. Let's leave this stuff at the line. Let's figure out what we're going to do. And I don't know if you could do it because you're bringing in, regardless of what happens, it's a new quarterback. That yeah. has to get chemistry with new receivers. There's a completely new offensive line that has a grad, an All-American, but a grad transfer in the offensive line. I mean, this is – there's a lot of question marks here, and it's one of those things to where I don't want us to, like, get super gimmicky and try to scheme around it, but I think – you have to buy some time for the team to start to figure out what to do before, as so that way you can hit your stride in November and hopefully December and January to be able to make a run at a major bowl game or, you know, get lucky enough and repeat a playoff run. There's yeah. a, but there's a lot of question marks. And I think at some point you just have to it, it reminds me of uh, if you've ever seen We Are Marshall, where uh, Matthew McConaughey is, is the coach, like, you know, power eye football. I'm going to do the power eye. We're going to we're going to do this. We're going right after it. He interviewed on that. that. That's what he wanted to run. He goes through a few practices trying to build up a team from nothing because the team died in a tragic plane crash. Yep. And he meets with his coaches, says, here's our offense, power eye. He throws it in the garbage. This ain't going to work. What are we going to do? And they come up with yeah. running the veer. After that, it's it, it was we know we can't do this. And Notre Dame has done this as well. That is one thing that is part of BK's fiber is play to mm-hmm. your strengths. And we did that last year. Had yeah. a lot of big heavies. The offensive line was great. You got great tight ends. Just bowl people over because everybody else is lining nickel on us. And it worked until you ran into Clemson at full strength and Alabama. And yeah. You, you can't ask for much more than that, but if we're talking about the offense being dynamic, if we really want to try to mix things up, and when I think about the big shot plays, especially on the ground, they were counters. They were stuff that was getting pitched the outside. It had some kind of misdirection in it. Not that we didn't have straight up good runs, but it was the counter plays, the traps. It was all that kind of stuff that has some kind of misdirection that led to those big shots. And I think that's, hey, let's lean into that. If we had success with it before, just let's just go all the way into it because this is a wild card year, man. We have no, and we're going to talk about it soon with like projections like Vegas and, and the SP Plus have given. <laughs> it's a wild-ass season. I mean, it's going to be yeah. real hard to project this team going forward. So, like you said, why the hell not? This This sounds like the year to try it. It's kind of a, it's not a throwaway season, but it's going to be one of those ones where whatever product we see is going to exist in an entire vacuum and is never going to be replicated again. It's not, it's not going to be indicative of things to come. It's going to be like, well, look what happened last year. That was crazy, huh? Anyway, new book. Let's open it. You know, like it's, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and that's part of why we talked to, you know, talking about that 12 team playoff. I think that's going to help continuity a little bit when we do go to it. Obviously, you're not going to see it this year, but being able to have that buffer to where you can walk into a season and be like, huh, 
maybe we don't have to win games one and two, but if we win the next 10, we're good. Maybe I yeah. take a risk and go ahead and throw Buckner in there if I think he can handle it. But you don't have that luxury right now. You got to be nope. Florida State on the road and in a game where you're going to be the only football game on TV. Last time Notre Dame had that, that was an absolute fucking disaster <laughs> against Texas. That like sticks yeah. out of my mind of, hey, all eyes yeah. are on this. Not like a night game or anything like that. Even Louisville was a little bit crazy on that end. We it had was. to go over there. Yeah, there was a, I think that one was just a Saturday night game, though, if I remember correctly. Could be wrong, yeah. but I know the ACC has had a um, a little habit of trying to, like, bracket us off to make sure that they get the highlight when we're on the road uh, to start the season. So, it's not it's not an easy task. So, hmm. I, I mean, I, it's not overly crazy, but it would be kind of a radical departure from what we have seen before. If nothing else, it would be worth game watches on Twitter again because we would all be losing our fucking minds all <laughs> the time. We, we, we would just be like, I don't know why this offense is on drugs and how we're up 63 to 10, but I'm loving this shit. You know, it, it's going to be that weird. It's going to be. If it if it if it's implemented to to I guess to the strengths to the potential, it's going to be so weirdly effective that I feel like we're not going to understand how to feel about it. And then by the end of the season, when inevitably the postseason shakes out in some oddly disappointing fashion, we'll just be like, "Yeah, it was because of all the gimmicks." Ah, I'm glad that that's done this season, and we can move on. It's going to be cathartic, I think, no matter what. Yeah, but I mean, the the beauty of it too is that Tommy Reese can keep some of that in his back pocket. And still take concepts from it. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm hoping is that, I mean, this really, I mean, this is a year beyond anything else, whether they take my silly idea or not. But Tommy <laughs> Rees is going to show that he's earned this position this year because he's got to figure out what worked in his little coaching interview against Iowa State. Probably ain't going to work this year. What he did last year sure as shit ain't going to work. Right. So, so now what do you do this year when you have all these question marks, when you got new QB, new offensive line, receivers where you're hoping somebody steps up and everybody's keying in on your two stud running backs, what do you do now? So yeah. it, it would be interesting. I would love to see something like that to where there's a lot of misdirection, type wrinkles, just, just something a little bit different to show that there is that adaptability. Because if Notre Dame does pull that off, Regardless of what happens that season, it does show me that Tommy Rees is willing to adapt, is willing to try something different, to think outside of the box. And then what that means is that when Notre Dame's going from season to season, God help you if you're the first opponent that Notre Dame faces because you're just like, well, shit, what are they going to throw at me this year? Yeah. We'll talk about keeping a defensive coordinator up at night. That'll do it. Yeah. If Tommy Rees has develops absolutely no discernible pattern, I mean... That's an, that's an easily exploitable human flaw, right? Is the desire to find patterns where there's chaos. You know, I, I mean, maybe you could exploit that and maybe that could become his thing. Maybe it could become the, what kind of product are we even going to be seeing on opening week? Are, are we going to be seeing the wildcat for no fucking reason? Is Are we going to be seeing, you know, <laughs> wide receiver double passes like three times a game? Oh, you know, I don't th- want to see that. That's a little too wild <laughs> ass for me. That, 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 that's, that's spring game type shit. Uh, I mean, let's let's see how uh, what, what, what the system can handle, right? Fuck yeah. it. But but if you want pattern for success, look no further than Nick Saban, uh, the eternal king of college football right now. 
Look yeah. at the different quarterbacks that he's run through there. The offense that Jalen Hurts runs was a lot different, a little bit different than what Tua ran. There was a little bit more of a dynamic there that Tua brought uh, that uh, it wasn't there before. And then Mac Jones certainly was night and day different. And yes, there was, you know, obscene weapons. So he could do just about anything, but he's rotating offensive coordinators like crazy. He went from a straight pounded offense to, Hey, fine. No huddle spread. Let's do this. I, yep. I don't think it's a, the best thing ever, but clearly that's what's going to work. So let's do it. So I'm at least hoping to see that kind of adaptability, like I said, really, when I look at Notre Dame football and what they were really good at last year is when they did pull the misdirection out, it was super, super effective. And oh, yeah. I mean, you, you can't lean into trying to trick them every single time. I get that. But you're, you're going to have to do something to put a defense on its heels, especially when they're going to try to attack an offensive line that's trying to gel, especially if that offensive line may feature, you know, not just obviously we have the a grad transfer coming in, but if Rocco Spindler has to get snaps, like, okay, go attack the freshman. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how big Stun the team on is. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to try to figure out all kinds of different ways to cause havoc. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, like I said, it wasn't anything too crazy, Shane, but I just okay. wanted to see what happened when, you're, when your mind stewed on it a little bit. I'm open to the idea. In fact, I mean, I, I wouldn't say like I, I expect it, but I definitely welcome it. I mean, it's, it's you got to do something. You got to do something a little bit different. And that <sighs> I think of above all else, what I fear the most for Notre Dame this season is if we try to come out and act like we can do what we did last season. That's going to mm. make me hit a panic button in a hurry <laughs> because yeah. maybe it'll maybe it'll work against Florida State. Uh, once we get up to Wisconsin, I don't think so. I yeah, think no that's sense. that that's about where the door gets slammed in your face. You're going to have to do something different. And really, um, you know, I, I got faith in the defense, but this offense got to put up points. It's got to be a big threat. And if you, you even look at what happened with Clemson. The reason why Notre Dame really was able to put it to them is they got on the board early and often. They scored mm -hmm. quick twice. Yeah. And it was, you know, yes, yeah, so you had a Kyron Williams huge run right off the bat, but they scored again immediately, almost immediately after that. And then you're like, oh, oh, we got a little bit of cushion here. All of a sudden you get a turnover and you're like, oh, oh look at this. Look at this. Now, now we got a lead because when Clemson finally got theirs, you weren't in full panic mode. That's what you got to yeah. do against. That's what did not happen against Alabama. Not that no, I think they never gave you any hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was no hope at all. You're just like, oh, maybe we'll get some points on the bar. No, we didn't. Oh, well, let's see if we. Oh, they already scored shit. Okay. Oh, it's been five minutes and we do not belong here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, let's see what we can do getting that elite offense to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that, that about sums it up here, Shane. Or do you have any crazy offensive ideas or I, I don't, man. I'm just nervous, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to not be, I, I'm, I'm just being fully honest here. Like I, I just, I see, I look around at, at all the, all the pretty faces and see too many that I just don't know, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we can all feel real cozy about Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler and, you know, at least Jared, uh, Jared Patterson is back or he may be back and we're not sure where, but hopefully center, um, Michael Mayer is all, is, is, is all well and good, but I just, there's too many faces that aren't Kyron Williams and Chris Tyrese that I don't, that I'm not, that I don't feel warm and fuzzy about yet, you know? Um, so it just, I, I do expect Brian Kelly, uh, to try something, you know, just to, because it, it just can't be 
straightforward conventional approach. It's just not, I don't think it, it, it would add up or make any sense, but I don't, I don't expect him to reach too deep into the coffers uh, even or, or have Tommy go too far either. I, I expect that, you know, in a, in a, in a, he's, he may be viewing or they may be viewing this season as more of just a, uh, let's keep the ship afloat and transition into somewhere more respectable once we know exactly what we're doing with our quarterback situation. And you know, and then we'll see where we go from there. Um, and so hopefully, desperately, somehow, magically keep Michael Mayer around after this season. Um, and maybe yeah, we can we'll sh- sh- set the world on fire in 2022. But, you know, something, something to that effect. But it, there's just not enough known commodities for, I think, not just us, us as all us together as fans, but even anyone on the coaching staff to feel like, you know, a hundred percent, like this is going to be another playoff campaign. I mean, it's, it's just hard to envision. Yeah. It's hard to envision, but I also don't want to tread water all season. Look, we've been cooped up for an entire year. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want the return to Notre Dame football as it should be in front of fans to be, well, let's just try not to fuck it up. Let's, let's, you yeah. know, tread water and see what we can do. See if we can get like a, a 10 win, nine, 10 win season. Because the moment I think you give into that, which I, I really don't think the staff would, but if they they had that mindset, it, it's going to get ugly real quick. Uh, all I want is to be able to go out again and not shit myself in public. Exactly. That's, <laughs> is that too much to ask for? These That's days? all I want. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us. Thank you again for listening. And as always, y'all, make sure you subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to get your podcast feeds at. Make sure to come join us in Discord. It continues to stay lively in there over at HerLoyalSons.com slash Discord. Join us over on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash HerLoyalSons. Of course, you can always find us at our home at HerLoyalSons.com. Until next week, folks, have a good one. Go Irish. Go Irish.